We're going to continue our study in the book of Philippians. So if you would turn, please, to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to finish the chapter today in a little bit more lengthy passage than we normally study, but Paul now addresses, as he's talking to the Philippian church, he talks about two men and the character of these men. We live in a society where people seem quick to judge everything. Used to be, when somebody come to you and tell something, people would be like, wait a minute, that's out of character for him. Or his reputation precedes him, you're going to have to prove to me that that happened. But now it seems like everybody wants to jump on board and just believe everything, especially if it's on Facebook, where everybody airs all their laundry. Folks, I'm telling you something, social media is a waste of time. I've been asked uh, recently about why we're not putting things on Facebook as a church. Well, we had been, and then I switched the process by which we're doing it, and then Facebook got dropped. I understand that's where some people live, and maybe we should be, but I'm, I'm about ready to just turn it all off and go back to the old-fashioned ways where we talk to people face-to-face. When I mention a certain name, you automatically think a certain character, certain attributes, certain thoughts about that individual. What do people think, or what would God write, more importantly, if he had written about you as he did these two we're going to study this morning? What would he have written about you? So we're going to look at verses 19 through 24. I'm sorry, verses 19 through 30, rather. And the first one we're going to see is Timothy in verses 19 through 24. The other man, Epaphroditus, and he'll be in 25 through 30. So let's start in verse 19, please. Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things of Christ, not the things which are Jesus Christ. But you know the proof of him that... As a son with a father, he hath served me with me in the gospel. Him, therefore, I hope to send presently, so soon as I shall see how it it will go with me. But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. Yet I suppose it necessarily to send unto you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger, and he that ministered to my wants." For he longed after you all, and was full of heaviness, because that ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick, nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not unto him only, but to me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully, that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice, that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord, with all gladness, and hold such in reputation. Because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service toward me. So we're going to study these two and look at what God has to say about their character. Christian, you and I need to live a life of consistent Christian character that we could have a reputation that precedes us and others would say, wait a minute, that, would, that doesn't sound like them. That would be out of character for them when people talk negatively about you. 
Father, again, thank you for this opportunity, and I pray, again, you teach us from your word as we study these two examples. Again, Lord, help us to pay attention to our character and the way we do things and what we say we're going to do. May we be consistent. May we live a godly character in all we do, and we'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. Paul talks of Timothy, says he was like-minded. The word like-minded has the idea of a kindred spirit. He desired to serve God as Paul did. In other words, Timothy had the same thoughts or same mind as Paul. Now, you and I should have the mind of Christ, right? We saw that in Philippians chapter 2. Well, if this Timothy has the same mind as Paul, and Paul is following Christ, then we can draw the conclusion that Timothy has the mind of Christ, right? And that's the idea, is have the mind of Christ. Be like-minded. There are so many who claim to be Christian today and so many divisions because people are not truly following Christ. There's a lot out there that name the name of Christ who are living carnally. The Bible says there's three types of people. There's the natural man, that's a lost person, right? There's a spiritual man, that is one who's saved, who is following Christ. And then there's a carnal man, that is a saved individual who's still living for self. And let me tell you, the most miserable people on earth are carnal Christians. The hardest people to get along with are carnal Christians. The ones that are most opinionated and usually the most wrong are carnal Christians, right? But we need to have the mind of Christ. Be like-minded. You see, having then the mind of Christ means a mind of a servant. And Timothy was willing to serve. He saw the needs of this church and wanted to help. He saw the needs of the lost and wanted to be a faithful witness. He saw the needs of others. And that's part of what we should do. But it also says in verse 20, I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. He had a compassion. Naturally, care has the idea of sincerely concerned. Jude tells us some have compassion making a difference. Do you have a heart of compassion? A heart of compassion? Again, a genuine need of the concerns of others. Not an emotional tug at your heart, but seeing their needs and being moved to an action to help meet those needs. Then Paul writes in verse 21, he says, For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. Okay, this may come as a shock, but you know, men are naturally selfish. I want what's best for me, right? Mankind. Yes, I'm sorry, I'll settle this argument right here, right now. (laughs) Using man in the general sense, okay, because I hate this having to say man slash woman all the time, when our language still says man is for mankind, okay? So I'm going to go with the proper English language and not the politically correct garbage of today, okay? Because we don't have to say man slash woman every time. He slash she, or it, or whatever they want to be called anymore. No, it's still he and she, by the way, and don't even get me started on that. We'll talk about it in Sunday school, okay? By the way, that partly, though, is part of our character. Stop capitulating to what the world wants to redefine everything. Stand for truth. Okay, now getting back to being selfish. 
It's like a child. For a young child, when's the best time to have the ice cream cone? That's right. For this 49-year-old man, the best time to have the ice cream cone is now. I get it. Okay. Uh, maybe that's not the best illustration, but a child wants everything and they want it now. You know, our society is not helping children grow up. Parents who buy everything for their children, give them everything they want because I want to make them happy, are not making their children happy. They're making them spoiled brats. And they grow up to be adults that are spoiled brats. We wonder why we have such a problem in the workforce. Well, besides the fact that over the last 49 years we've been killing them off, we also have the fact that we've raised a bunch of spoiled brats that sit there and tell their boss, I'm not going to do that. And then wonder why the boss says, that's fine, time off for you is no longer a problem, goodbye. Well, they don't like me. No, you didn't work. You're lazy. You're selfish. You think you deserve better because Burger King told you so. Timothy was not a selfish man. He was a giving man. He looked on the needs of others. Now, how do we do that? Colossians 3, 1 through 3. If ye have been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of earth, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. You see, when I set my affections on eternal things and not the temporal things, then all of a sudden, all the desires that I want become small, and seeing the needs of others and meeting the needs of others becomes more important. By the way, this journey for Timothy would have been a long danger, and back then it was probably more dangerous to travel than it is now. It was a lot more dangerous to travel than it is now. I mean, he wasn't going to hop on an airplane and just fly over there, okay? Traveling was a sacrifice. Now we really don't think of it that way, do we? I mean, traveling can actually be kind of fun. But we need to be self-denying in order to serve his cause. And so was Timothy. Matthew 16, 24, Then said Jesus unto the disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now we often hear the cross is this burden we're called to carry. But let me put it in context. The cross had one purpose during Roman times. It wasn't something you carried around. You know what his purpose was? Execution. It was to die. In other words, Christian, die to self daily. You see, we still have that old man that wants to sit on the throne of our heart, don't we? We have to say, you're dead. Put him back on the cross where he belongs and allow Jesus Christ to sit on the throne of our heart. Allow the Holy Spirit to control us. We need to die to selfish ambition and serve God. You know, it's interesting, though, God in his goodness sometimes still gives us those desires. Does he not? I got a call the other week from Brother Rich. He goes, I'm going to go out fishing, and I need a fishing partner. Would you like to go with me? I love to go fishing. We went out fishing. We got on the boat, and we got out just past Fort Macon. And you could see over, just over here a little bit, was a flock of birds feeding, and the fish just a-jumping. And so he says, put out the lines, and we trolled through there, and we started reeling in Spanish mackerel after Spanish mackerel. We, we kept 14 of them that day and threw back at least that many more. 
We had two bluefish on the boat. I accidentally threw one overboard. It was an accident. We won't talk about that. Because, you know, I've been out fishing before, but I'm really not a fisherman. I'm more of a catcherman. I don't like to fish. I like to catch. And that day was a good day because we were catching, not just fishing. The point being is sometimes because we serve such a great God, he'll give you those desires you have anyhow. Isn't that wonderful? Let's move on. Verse 22. But you know the proof of him. I love that. Paul says, Timothy has been proven. Timothy has a consistent character. Timothy has shown that he is truly a servant of God. Now, Timothy had been with Paul at Philippi, so they would have known the character of Timothy. He was trustworthy. The proof has the idea of character or worth. So, are you faithful? Are you found faithful? If somebody were to write about you today, would they say, yes, this one is faithful because this individual is faithful in their Bible study. They are studying the Word of God, studying to show themselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. By the way, let me say again, be careful in your Bible study. There are a lot of YouTube videos out there. There's a lot of TV programs out there. There's a lot of radio shows out there. But just because somebody claims to be a Bible teacher doesn't mean they're preaching the truth. Prove them and see if what they're saying is truly true. Are you faithful in your church attendance? Oh, I don't have to attend church to be a Christian. Well, the Bible does say not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is. And so, no, you don't have to be attending church to be a Christian, but to be a growing Christian and to be a spiritual Christian, yes, you do. And I know people say, oh, the preacher just says that because he just wants people to preach to. No, actually, it's not, not a matter of that, because I'll preach whether there's one of you out there or whether there's 500 out there. That's not the point. The point is, is the preaching is good for you. Let me tell you something. Preachers need preaching. I love to hear preaching. I love last weekend. You know why? Because instead of being up here, I got to sit out there. Are you faithful in tithing? Oh, you don't have to tithe to be a Christian. Well, God said, and I know it's Old Testament, but he said in Malachi, if you're not tithing, you're robbing God. So if you want to be a thief to God, don't tithe. Well, I can't afford to tithe. That is wrong. Let me tell you something. You don't trust God enough to tithe. I used to think I couldn't afford to tithe, and so I tried bargaining with God. But when God took the money all kinds of other ways, whether it be the truck broke down, whether it be this happened and I had to pay that money, and I finally got smart enough to realize every month the amount that I should have been tithing was going some other way, I said, okay, God, I get it. And I started tithing. There was one time I was almost late on a bill. And I said, God, I don't understand because you told me to prove you. And it came through at the last minute. And he has kept his promise over and over and over again. Let me tell you, if you're not tithing, it's probably because of choices you're making. It goes back to the previous thing I said about selfishness. Your desires are above God's commands. How about faithful in witnessing? 
Do you have a desire to see souls saved? Whether it be handing them a track, whether it be speaking to them, are you being faithful, a faithful witness to others? I was in a store where somebody had gone almost every aisle and just started dropping tracks on the shelves. And then the store owner went and cleaned them all up. And he was a little distraught. And he wasn't upset or anything, but he's just like, I don't understand why somebody thinks that's a proper way to give the gospel. Folks, what's wrong with walking up and down the aisles putting it in somebody's hand? Instead of leaving it on the shelf that the store owner has to clean it up. Because even in our track distribution, we need to be careful of our testimony and the way we're doing so, okay? Faithfully serving. I appreciate Chris. He says, hey, Ed's not here. You want me to lead music? It'll leave you. I'm like, you got it, buddy. That's service. I love coming in knowing that somebody's going to be in the nursery. Somebody's going to be out there ushering. Somebody's going to be up in the sound booth. Somebody's cleaned the church this week. Somebody brought the snacks for the fellowship time. Somebody's mowed the grass. Why? Because... I'm thankful we have a church full of servants. But let's not forget our service to the Lord. Faithful in praying. Again, not only in our Wednesday night prayer meeting, but daily. Are you praying for others? And not just a daily prayer, but really truthfully, as the Bible commands, pray without ceasing. All the time. Whether it be intercessory prayer, whether it be just a praise uh, to God and saying, God, thank you. Normally about this time of year, I start challenging you to pray, just do a whole prayer with nothing but thanksgiving. And honestly, you're going to see how selfish our hearts can be when you try that exercise. You see, before a person is giving a position of responsibility, they need to have a faithful character. Too often we put the cart before the horse and say, well, if we give this guy this position, then he'll be faithful. No, he won't. Show your faithfulness first, and then you can give somebody a position of authority. We're servants together. Paul says, again, verse 22, but you know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father, he hath served with me in the gospel. Not that he served me, but he served with me. We serve together. Because, you know, in God's economy, there should be no big shots. And we are guilty of that. When we say, ooh, that preacher, he's a great preacher, compared to the guy who's not a great preacher. Because we start this hierarchy of big shots and little shots. That's not the way God says it should be. We are all co-laborers together. And I'm glad at the foot of the cross, the ground is level. We're all servants of Christ. That's the character of Timothy. And I have just a few moments. Let's go on to the character of Epaphroditus. Verse 25. Yet I supposed it necessary to send unto you Epaphroditus, my brother. He's a Christian brother. We have a common bond with all Christians. We have a family relationship, and we need to love one another. John 13, 35, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. 
We call each other brother and sister because we are, in Christ, brothers and sisters. Now, I have one older brother. My brother and I were allowed to fight with each other, but you weren't allowed to pick on either one of us because we'd defend each other. But the two of us would fight like cats and dogs. That's no lie. I could tell you stories, but I won't. But in the Christian family, it ought not to be that way. You know why my brother and I fought? Because we were two lost little boys. And so being natural and the natural man, we fought. But Christian, we're supposed to be spiritual. So when you see a church that's fighting among the brothers and sisters, what's that tell you? They're carnal. They're living in carnality. Well, she didn't look at me. She didn't talk to me. He didn't do this. Blah, 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 blah. Well, number one, why are you telling everybody else on Facebook about it instead of going to them individually? And number two, if you would stop looking to be served, but go to be, to be serving others and look to be a blessing instead of always expecting everybody else to bless you, you would leave blessed. I promise you, you would. But let's treat each other as brother and sister in godly love. It's sad that a set of independent Baptists that we're the only group that takes target practice standing in circles. You know what the truth is? Too often, independent Baptists take target practice standing in circles. Our brother does ministry out, in, out west. Have you raised support for your ministry? Okay. But you know missionaries that have raised support. Okay, so am I telling a lie when I say Sometimes when a pastor or when a missionary calls a church, the first question the pastor is going to ask is, what camp do you belong to? That's already divisive. What camp do you belong to? Because we only support Bob Jones people. We only support Hiles Anderson people. We only support blah, 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 blah. I don't camp. That would be my answer. But I know what they're asking. And I wouldn't want to be rude to them. However, at the same point... We need to be careful because we get very divisive. Now, yes, I am an ambassador grad. And yes, many of the missionaries you've seen come through here are also ambassador grads. But it doesn't mean I try to be ambassador exclusive. We've had people from many other colleges, okay? And it's okay. And yes, I even have been burned by missionaries. I had a guy who told me when I interviewed him that he was KJV only, and he started talking to our people privately about the ESV, but thank God that the people that he was talking to came to me and said, did you know that he's now pushing the ESV? I said, I found out last night when he started talking to me. I said, now I know he's doing it in the church. And then the guy had the audacity to get mad at me when I said, we're not going to support you because you lied to me. He goes, I didn't lie to you. He goes, you need to be careful your separation. I said, you need to be careful what you tell a pastor before you go to that church. Now, I'm not going to mention what college he graduated from, but does that mean I'm automatically going to exclude everybody else from that college? No. Okay, because believe it or not, there could be a bad apple anywhere, right? But my point being this, we have in 21st century America 
So much divisions among Christianity. Now, I'm not saying that we accept all kinds of false doctrine and we have all this ecumenical go, get along, go along to get along nonsense. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking good fundamental men who just sit there and they just want to bash each other and there's something wrong with that. He says, my brother, my companion in labor and fellow soldier. He said, we're co-laborers. Again, they had labored together at Philippi. Perhaps. There's no scripture to support that. But they obviously had labored together somewhere. He probably did not labor with Paul much at Rome since he was ill during much of that time. But somewhere along the line, they worked together. 1 Corinthians 3.9, For your labors together with God. You're God's husbandry. You're God's building. We're laborers together for God, and we labor together with God. Let me say that again. We labor together for God because all of us are laboring together with God. He says we're fellow soldiers. A soldier must endure hardness. 2 Timothy 2, 3, and 4. Thou, for, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. We need to remember that Christian life is warfare. And Jude 3 tells us to earnestly contend for the faith. We can enjoy the victory when we get to heaven, but now it's time for the battle. You know, when you're in battle, you don't have time to sit there and bicker and argue. But you need to be unified because you all realize one thing. You better have each other's back because the enemy's out there. The Christian life is Christian warfare. Folks, I've said this before. My first day when I got elected as Havelock City Commissioner, not the first day, maybe the second or third time up there, some of the issues we were dealing with, I could tell, I was like, this is not about potholes and streets. This is about a spiritual battle. Especially when the brunch bill came up. Let me tell you something. I realized then every aspect of life, not just preaching the word, not just sharing the gospel, but every aspect of life, we are engaged in a spiritual battle. And we need to be fellow soldiers. But verse 25, Paul says in the middle of the verse, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. He was a messenger for the church, willing to handle that responsibility, willing to serve, willing to take the message that Paul had to the church at Philippi. Again, it wasn't, sure, I'll send that email for you, or I'll run to the post office and drop that letter off for you. He had to personally go and deliver it. Of course, then it talks about his sickness in uh, verses 26 through 30. But in verse 30, because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life. So whatever this sickness was that he got, had, it's because of his service for Christ. You know, again, showing a selflessness. You see, we have these false preachers out there today that teach that God wants you to have a life of ease. He wants you to be happy. 
I'm, yes, I'm mocking somebody if you can't see by the big smile. God never promised a bed of roses. He said this is warfare. Here, this man, in serving Christ, gets some kind of illness that almost kills him. I can imagine many of these that are under the false prophets of the day who say that, name it, claim it, and God wants you to be happy, and God wants you to be healthy, and God wants all these things. If somebody was serving God and they would get sick, what would they say? Well, then it's not real. You see, these false teachings lead to confusion in people's lives. But this man understood serving Christ has a cost. And he was willing to continue to serve God even though he almost died with whatever this illness is that he had. That's pretty selfless, isn't it? Well, Paul, let me get better. I can imagine him, you know, sitting there coughing and running a fever and everything else. Paul, as soon as I get better, I want to go back at it. I want to go back and visit the Philippians again. You know, I mean, I could just imagine this, this kind of guy, you know. And Paul, like, how about you get better first? And Paul talks about how God was merciful not only to those at Philippi <coughs> because they were concerned for him, but also to Paul himself because this man was a fellow laborer with Paul. Is that how we view others? God, I'm so thankful that you pulled them through this illness. That's such a blessing to me because of their faithfulness to you. It's such an encouragement to me. That's how Paul felt about this man. But he was willing to give his all. So we've looked at the character of two men, Timothy and Epaphroditus. Two men of great character. Two men who will be forever remembered in the pages of Scripture as Paul took the time to write to the church of Philippi about the character of these two men. I find that pretty amazing, don't you? Now, if God were to choose to write about you, because let me tell you something. While Paul wrote very nicely about these two and very well about their character, that wasn't always the case when Paul would write about individuals. Paul was not afraid to call out those who were wrong, was he? We see in Scripture... Paul calling out some who were self-serving, who quit, who did all kinds of other things. Paul would call them out. So let's suppose God were to have one write about you today. What would be said of your character? That's a pretty important question, isn't it? Are you trustworthy? Are you selfless? Are you compassionate? Are you one that can be said was proven? One who's a co-laborer? One who's a fellow servant? One who's selfless? And we could look at all these character traits and say, would that be said of me? If not, then Christian, it's time to die to self. It's time to stop living for self. It's time to grow the character that Christ wants us to have, that God wants us to have, to allow God to mold us into the image of Christ. Again, going back to the beginning of the chapter, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Jesus came the, not as king, but as a servant. Now he's coming back as king of kings, hallelujah. 
but he came the first time as a servant and lowered himself, humbled himself to become obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. As Pastor Ogle pointed out last week, as the disciples are in the upper room, no disciple had taken and washed their own feet or the feet of anybody else. But after they had eaten, Christ lays aside his garments, girds himself with that towel, and washes the disciples' feet. Yet I hear Christians say, oh, I'm not going to do that. I won't do that. I don't want to serve them. No, not me. Ask somebody else. Let's have a servant's heart. Have the mind of Christ that was willing to be a servant. The mind of Epaphroditus who says, I'm willing to die. Look, if I, 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 he's out there serving and caught whatever it is, illness it is that he had. Timothy, who served so well that Paul says he's proven. His character has been proven. Let us be individuals with godly character. Let's bow forward to prayer.